NASA Edge. And inside NASA, look at all things NASA. Hey, we're at Moses Lake in the state of Washington, and behind us is a pretty cool lunar rover concept called Chariot. We also have two spacesuit engineers working on a couple of experiments. And I'm actually here for a different reason. I'm actually uh, scouting locations for the astronaut combine as part of my campaign to become commissioner of astronautics. The combine is dead. Yeah, that, that's over with. We're, we're moving on. We're going to be seeing some uh, cool spacesuits, next generation spacesuits, uh, rovers, and those astronauts land on the lunar surface. They're going to need some cool hardware and technology, and they need a place to test that. Absolutely. Well, Moses Lake provides that opportunity. Where NASA is actually avoiding any imperial entanglements, if you know what I mean. This is not Tatooine. This is not Star Wars. Yeah. These are the droids we're looking for. Okay, so let's go ahead and check out these interviews and uh, check out the cool pieces of hardware. This is the spot for the combine. There is an astronaut draft. These are the droids we're looking for. We're here with Joe Cosmo, or as I like to say, Obi-Wan Kenobi of uh, the uh, Moses Lake operation here. How's it going? Well, not too bad, Blake. How are you doing? <laughs> Very nice. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Yes, I had to explain. I had to correct myself. Last time I called you Blair, <laughs> but you're really Blake. Yes, but I'll answer to anything, it seems. Well, listen, I got a, a couple of quick questions about uh, how you've set things up here, because uh, number one, I look at the soil. And it's so much different than it was out in Flagstaff, where you were doing the desert rats. It was a different kind of a regolith material, so, uh, surface material. And so they were looking at a different level of power consumption on driving on that type of terrain. We've got sand dunes here and uh, a variety of particulate size material. And so they've done an awful lot of driving with Chariot and have learned a lot from the power consumption standpoint on driving on this type of terrain. I don't know what all the lunar surface looks like, so there's probably a, quite a variation. Well, see, that's where we need to set up our own trip to the moon, a little ah, site survey, if Wouldn't you will. that be nice? We could go out there, get our samples, bring them back here to locations like this, do our own little high-fidelity tests. Can I carry your luggage? The primary focus here is in the robotic vehicles, the larger transport vehicles. And, and obviously, we get involved because it's uh, space-suited uh, test subjects driving the vehicle, driving chariot, and so that's our interrelationship looking at the ergonomics involved and the suited individuals doing those kind of driving operations. So we're not the prime focus. Well, I mean, for me, you are. Well, thank I mean, you're, you. you're the Obi-Wan. I, mean, I appreciate you know, I'm, that. I'm a, I'm a young Jedi, so <laughs> I, I sit at your feet and want to learn. Now, I, I also noticed that uh, as you looked at these suits, you had two kinds of suits. You had suits that were um, uh, authentic suits, and then you had mock-up suits. Right. But you did uh, simulations with both. What, what are you trying to learn in each of those different situations? Well, there's a number of things. We're trying to develop timelines, uh, basically uh, shirt sleeve condition operations. The mock-up suits that we uh, have will allow us to extend our operational time, probably get even more people involved in the suiting activities of a mock-up suit as opposed to a full pressure suit so that we can experiment and do longer task activities that would be more representative of EVA tasks. What we like to do is use some experienced test subjects. People have been in uh, pressurized suits before, understand what the restrictions are, understand what some of the ergonomics involved are. And so we've been getting some good feedback and uh, cross-correlating their experiences in the full pressure suit versus the mock-up suit. Right? And then transition uh, the experience into other folks that uh, haven't had that much suit experience. I'd like to set up sort of a lunar circus maximus. You've got all these uh, gladiatorial terms uh, for all the projects. You've got chariot, you've got... Uh, um... We need gladiator. Okay, yeah, we, we do, do not have gladiator. Lady, gladiator. Uh, we should work on gladiator. You should work what would gladiator look like? Well, with your uh, imagination, I can't imagine what that might be. Short, stocky, and very effective. <laughs> I, I think that would probably uh, be uh, it. With duct tape boots. Uh, <laughs>
<laughs> Very good. You're here with Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> what athlete is it? It's a utility vehicle uh, intended to carry payloads on the moon. It's got um, six degree of freedom legs. Right. So it can actually drive over the surface of the moon with full active suspension, you know, keeping that payload on top, nice and level, nice and steady. Now what's athlete stand for? That's an acronym, right? Yeah, it's an acronym. It stands for, are you ready? Yes. All-terrain, hex-limbed, extraterrestrial explorer. And then the athlete is the bottom portion, right? That's and, correct. And we have a hab up top? That's right. It's a habitat mock-up up top. Now I understand uh, that might be Blair's home in the future because you know, he wants to be the first medianaut when he gets to the, the moon. The first medianaut. Yeah. Perfect. So I'm just Excellent. wondering, uh, I mean, you could actually live in this uh, hab up here, couldn't you? This is a quarter-scale model of the one that they're planning to send to the moon. So athlete, this is only a quarter scale of athlete. That's right, so four wow. times as big in every dimension. So the idea behind athlete is when we get to the moon, we start building this outpost, you'll have several of these, since it's mobile, moving the habitats, locking them in place, move them all around. That's right, that's okay. exactly right. In fact, we've got two of them here. We're gonna demonstrate our ability to dock them together. And they've got a lot of control capability. As big as this vehicle is, right. it can line those doorways up within a sub-centimeter precision. Now, when we first talked to you a couple years ago, you actually had a robotic arm on the, uh, attached to it. Are you still gonna be doing that? Well, that this, the robotic arm is one of these legs. Oh, okay. So the robotic arm that you saw two years ago, we had one of these vehicles sitting on the ground. Okay. And when they're on the ground, their six legs become six fully articulated robotic arms. Oh, that's... And we stick those gripper tools right on the outside of the wheels and drive the gripper with the wheels motor. Just about ready to get rolling now. Cool, thanks, Julie. Appreciate it. Well, you know what? So Scarab isn't actually an acronym. Okay. We, we designed the robot and we designed the body uh, uh, in the, its shape for a number of reasons, largely to uh, ensure that we had ground clearance at different postures, so it has that sort of boat hull shape in the bottom. The front and back are sized for the particular payload. Uh, and then, rather than have sharp corners make it out of aluminum, we used a thin uh, layer of uh, carbon fiber. Those curves actually give it a lot of strength. So it came out, uh, you know, the design process resulted in this shape, and then we looked at it and said, well, that, that looks a lot like a beetle. We put that paint job on it, and we called it Scarab. Sorry, so, no acronym. No acronym. What ex exactly is the Scarab uh, vehicle used for? So Scarab would precede astronauts to and enter into these uh, polar craters to determine whether there are resources there that the astronauts could use. So how is Scarab actually going to be able to maneuver and work in the dark or in the shadows of, of the crater? Uh, we can't use cameras in the dark. We use laser scanners so the robot's able to navigate on its own. It uses those scanners to model the terrain, decide how to avoid obstacles or how to climb through things in order to get to the, the next location it's trying to reach. And it would travel very slowly through this area using very low power drilling uh, samples, processing them through the instrument payload to measure the abundance of uh, the hydrogen and oxygen, and it would slowly move on to the next place, probably spending six months and more to survey one of these crater floors. Well, speaking of power, I understand the scab runs off of very low power. Well, it will be able to run off of very low power yeah. on the moon. Here on Earth, we have about 600 watts to work with. We have six times the gravity here. Uh, on the moon, uh, we're designed to operate with only 100 watts, so about the, the power of one light bulb. Uh, and that's, uh, in large part, why Scarab is a slow-moving vehicle. The drilling operation proceeds very slowly because you just don't have a lot of power to work with. We're working with Glenn Research Center to um, uh, to reference the, the Stirling engine that, that they've been developing. This is a radioisotope source that 
produces about 120 watts continuous for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we put a thing size of microwave oven in the back of Scarab and it's gassed up and ready to go for 10 years. Technology used to analyze the samples uh, is already aboard the Scarab? Um, so that technology is being developed at Kennedy Space Center uh, in conjunction with Johnson Space Center along with the drill that's being developed in Canada. Uh, Canadian Space Agency is working on that. And then we'll be doing a test not just of mobility as we're seeing here, but also um, the process of the samples, processing of this regolith simulant, operation of the instrument payload. So Chariot is the lunar truck prototype is we did lessons learned from uh, trucks here on Earth right. and also Spirit Opportunity Sojourner from the lunar rover from Apollo. Right. And we took all those lessons learned and developed this. So six wheels gives us a, a bit of redundancy and it also lets us lift and lower wheels. So you can see oh, wow. Aaron's yeah. lifting the wheel module right now. Okay. So it has an active suspension, which okay. is a drive screw that drives it up and down. Each of the wheel modules is identical to this. Harrison Smith had made a comment, if it was easier to get on the rover, it would have been a lot better. We had conversations about how they sat and weren't able to see behind them. Right. So what we have created is a system where we can actually tour it around. So you can get up Is that up full 360 or is that just uh, so yes, yeah, so it's 360, um, it goes back over here and then stops. We can also do point turns around any point of the vehicle. So wherever you put all your axes, if right. you wanted to, to turn about that, you put your axis through there and you can rotate about that. Now, a chariot can also not only be operated by the astronauts, but also tele-operated, someone in a, in a, maybe in a lunar hab or... Correct. So we have three modes of operation. We can operate from Earth, like out here at Moses Lake. We operate it from Houston, put in a time delay, which we expect for the round trip to the moon when we're operating there, it'll be about nine seconds. Nine seconds, okay. We also can operate just local off-board, meaning line of sight or video cameras where there's no time delay with communications, and then the third mode is, is on board. So we've been doing all those types of things out here at Moses Lake. Hey, one, one final question. Uh, you know, how do you think uh, Charlton Heston would uh, would have done in Ben-Hur if he would use this chariot? <laughs> so, so I hope well. So, so we're, getting, we're getting better. So, Barbara, while you're here at Moses Lake or Tatooine, what are you learning in the study of the suits that you didn't learn back in Flagstaff or Cinder Lake when uh, we were testing Desert Rats? Well, this time we have different robots that we're testing with. We have the Chariot, Athlete, and K-10 robots. And so we're looking at this year the interaction between the spacesuits riding on Chariot as an unpressurized rover mock-up. I notice you are using the two different types of suits. When you go out and you do a simulation, is there a benefit or, or what's, what's more important about the pressurized suit versus the unpressurized suit? Well, the pressurized suit gives you more mobility uh, and dynamics that a real suit would give you that would be pressurized on the lunar surface. The other suits that we've been testing have been mock-up suits, and they allow us to run a lot longer and not be constrained by the life support system that the pressurized suits have. Um, does that somehow, uh, I mean, how do you take those two sets of data and make them make sense together since they're two entirely different uh, kind of functions? Well, that's what we're trying to do here is establish a baseline between what's different between our pressurized suits and our mock-up suits. Well, here in the field, the main interaction between the humans and the robots have just been with Chariot. Um, K-10 has also ridden on Chariot, and the astronauts on board the vehicle have deployed the K-10 robot to go off and do its site survey reconnaissance. That, that's kind of like the NASA equivalent to R2-D2. I'm noticing your, your orange uh, 
prison outfit, if you will, is pristine, whereas Joe Cosmo's, no offense, but I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, he's a human tumbleweed. His suit has seen better days. I mean, is it because he's working more, or? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a little offended here. Uh, Are you I saying was, I don't work no, now? No, I'm just saying you maybe work hard and do laundry. Now, he sort of suggested that maybe it was the opposite. He suggested? Uh, yeah, that, that you're not working as hard as you. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's been working a lot longer over a longer period uh, of time. So I'm fairly new to the program. So that's why my suit's still bright orange. Hey, that was pretty awesome seeing all the hardware out here. Absolutely. Lots of cool. Hey, maybe next year we'll get a chance to uh, see the next generation. Cool. Hey, maybe next year we'll be able to get a chance to see the next generation. And in fact, this manipulator arm behind us, people will be able to hoist you up and you can live in that uh, hab uh, next time. Yeah, and maybe next year the test facility will be at Moss Eisley. Hey, maybe. Which and, would be nice. And maybe next year we could all ride on a new chariot. <laughs> hey, you're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Excellent. Hey, where did that photographer go? Yeah, where'd he go? He's been I, taking I pictures all my, day. I gotta yeah. give him a picture. Oh, there he is. Biggest news, NASA is.